This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. episode of Game Time Extra where me and Tom will be covering all of the Premier League games coming this weekend and previewing a couple of them in depth and then just looking at the rest of them. Tom, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Right, let's start it off with the biggest game of the weekend. Chelsea versus Manchester United. Massive, massive game. Early kickoff on the Saturday. What do you think is going to happen? I think Chelsea will win it. I think one of the interesting things about the game uh, before the international break for, for United with the 3-2 win over Newcastle, everyone sort of was talking as if United have turned the corner. And it, it really will be interesting to see how they bounce back and if they continue to play well. That's, that second half performance has sort of got to be the standard for them going forward if they're going to compete or even challenge for anything this season. Um, Chelsea, who have been obviously incredibly good form themselves, second in the table, uh, only on goal difference behind City as well. You have to back them as as favourites in this game. What do you make of it, and how how do you think United are going to have to perform to even get anything from that game? If we go two nil down, I think our chances are better than if it stays nil nil for a long time because we seem to play better when we go two nil down. Mm. And I, th- I think we've come back from more two nil deficits than any other team in the Premier League. But I think it's going to be a real hard slog. I feel like United don't have a particular game plan yet it just seems to be get it to Pogba and then get it to Lukaku and then see if it goes in whereas Chelsea are so regimented under Sari, and you know exactly what they're going to do and they're probably going to do it to perfection and when you have Eden Hazard on your team and the quality that he has and the way he's playing at the moment I don't envy any of those United defenders, to be honest. Mm. It's going to be a really tough game, especially in the middle of the park, because players like Jorginho are probably trying to break his own record for passing again. Um, <laughs> so that would be really interesting. There's been a few inter- stories off the pitch this week with United that I wanted to get your take on as well. With um, M- Mourinho has been charged today after his comments. Um, he, uh, the FA or, or the Premier League hired a professional lip reader um, to interpret what he said as he was walking off the pitch after the Newcastle game, and it, it was deemed to be something offensive. I don't know if that means he'll be banned from the sideline or if it's, or if it's just a fire at the moment. Do, but do you think maybe even if he does have some time away from the sidelines, that actually may improve the performances of some of his players? It's so bollocks. Like, <laughs> like why does someone need to go and hire a lip reader yeah. just to see if he said something offensive? Like, I, I might be slightly out of place in saying it, but I honestly don't see the problem with that sort of swearing. I mean, he's clearly frustrated and he's clearly angry, but he's not targeting it at anyone specifically. Yeah. So it's just a bit like he's just frustrated. So he just wants to get like, I would be fine with managers in press conferences being allowed to swear and just show any sort of emotion as long as they're not directing it at a specific player. I don't think there's any problem with it, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because the way... um... On the pitch, there is. I mean, you can say what you want on the pitch. I think as long as you're not directly derogative to the referee or the linesman, mm. you can say what you want to each other. And it just, it's if Mourinho has said anything which is offensive to someone, uh, whether that's like racist, which which I don't think this comment is. So mm. may, maybe, well, you can't defend those type of comments. But if he's just swearing, I'm not. I don't fully understand. I mean. There isn't a watershed in life, so I, don't, I, mean, I mean, what's <laughs> exactly. he? And then you can't hear what he's saying. 
But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. The, the, the only other thing I wanted to raise to you was that there's been Sky have reported this week that there's interest in from um, Saudi Arabia about uh, a potential purchase of Man United and purchasing it from the Glazers. Uh, I think the Glazers initially rubbished the claims, but have sort of come out in the last few days, and it, it appears to be maybe maybe a bit of a warming to the idea, but valuing the club at around four billion pounds. Um, Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously, there's been, there's been a lot of investment in the Premier League, and, and the Glazers aren't exactly poor. Um, but I suppose one of the things with United is, is maybe a lot of their fans feel that uh, if you compare them to City, that isn't the route that United have taken by being invested by big oil and spending mm. loads and loads of money on players, where it's, it's been a bit more of a tradition to still spend big, but try and not be uh, almost like a franchise. Uh, what do you think about those rumours and, and would you be excited or disappointed if the Glazers left? Four billion is a lot of money. And I imagine like heavily 50% of that is all the shirt sponsorships <laughs> that we've now got with mattress companies and <laughs> Tinder and whatnot. You know what? I, I don't I don't really know, to be honest. I think the Glazers are partly to blame with the way United are going. United for so long prided themselves on the fact that they weren't this hire and fire sort of club that they bought youth through. And I think to some extent they still believe they are that. But you can't really argue with the fact that they sacked David Moyes before even the first year of his contract was up. They sacked Louis van Gaal on the day that he won the FA Cup because they didn't really like the football he was playing. And I'm imagining Mourinho is going to go down the same route at some point. So, you know what, maybe... Maybe it is a good idea that someone else comes in to the club. I'd still prefer it if someone with a real love for football bought a football team as opposed to someone who just sees it as a business. Well, I think this You get Mike Ashley in. Exactly. That was ex- <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. I just want to see a little sports direct appear right before Old Trafford and then an at sign be slowly winched in. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it could be good to see maybe some fresh blood. Like, you know, you get a new manager in to change the fortunes of a team. Why not start hiring and firing owners and just selling clubs? Yeah, if we're talking about fresh blood and uh, I think the Saudis are very good at that. So that's uh, that'd be an interesting, <laughs> it'd be an interesting uh, perspective on the new owners. But on the flip side of the, this fixture with, with Chelsea this week, there's been a lot of commentary about um, Hazard and some of his comments about saying he's split between um, loving playing for Chelsea at the moment and being in great form, but his dream switch of, um, of going to Real Madrid. Uh, he's also come out and said he's not going to move in January. So do you think this will be uh, as an Eden Hazard's uh, last year of his current uh, spell at Chelsea? Yeah, I, th- I think with how well he's playing as well, it's almost as if he's playing for that transfer to Real Madrid. He's almost saying to them, look, this is what you're missing by not getting me. I mean, Real Madrid have struggled to score goals all season and he is creating chances, scoring chances. So I reckon it probably is his last year. What about you? I'd be very surprised if he didn't go, only because the way that it's obvious that Real Madrid want him and and it does appear that he's quite keen to go there as well. Um, And if you look at the life cycle of some of the players in the team at Real Madrid, obviously Ronaldo's already left. Bale... Bale has probably has a few more years in him at an, at an elite level, but they usually do have those two star wingers. And at the moment, it doesn't look like they're going to go for Neymar. Um, so I think there's definitely a gap in their team to sign someone. Benzema is also not in particularly great form at the moment. 
Um, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go next summer, just because it seems like he's been linked with them for years. So, um, mm. And these type of transfers do usually go through. When was the last time that Benzema was on form? I don't know. I feel like I feel like he may have had a potentially good spell when he was at Lyon, but no one really cares. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's so true. Like I feel like he came to Real Madrid being this like star talisman youngster. I, it's, I, I reckon it's... But in terms of stats, he's played 284 games for Real Madrid since 2009. He's scored 131 goals. So it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good return. He only scored 43 for Lyon. But um, yeah, but it's, it's the same. It's the same with um, with Ronaldo going to Juventus. You think um, all these Juventus players go? Oh yeah, we get Ronaldo, one of the best players in the world. I guarantee you, in about two years' time, um, Mario Mandzukic is just going to be so disappointed <laughs> that he's still there. <laughs> to be fair, on a slight uh, detour, I feel so bad for Mario Mandzukic. I feel like every club he's been at never want him. They like sign him as like their star striker. Like he was at Bayern, they're like, yeah, 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 we really love you, really love you. And then they just had better players. Then they shipped him off to Atletico, and Atletico were like, yeah, you're going to be our new striker. And then Griezmann and Falcao just took over, and they're like, yeah, now fuck off to Juventus. And then Juventus like, yeah, 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 definitely star striker. And then they sign Ronaldo, and it's like, oh, Mario. He hasn't particularly had a. He scored more. He's played 89 games for Croatia and 100 games for Juventus. And he scored more goals for Croatia than he has for Juventus. So perhaps there is a reason <laughs> they don't start him as much. But yeah. yeah, he's a good goal scorer. On on the Chelsea United game, one thing that I wanted to mention was David Luiz under Sari, because a lot of people at the beginning of the season probably thought David Luiz was on his way out. But he's had a bit of a renaissance under Sari. Why do you think that is? I love the word renaissance in a sentence with David Luiz. <laughs> <laughs> it um, just goes hand in hand. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't really know why. He, he, when, when, we, when they played Bournemouth, he looked really assured in the ball. I still think there is, a, there is a part of his game. In the same way that sometimes you feel that John Stones has it as well, where he, mm. will, he will make a mistake. But I think maybe um, Sarri's got him playing a, a little bit more consistently. And he is on the ball a lot more. Um, so may, maybe... Louise is one of these players that needs to be on the ball a lot to really feel engaged with the games and and under Conte obviously the ball was given straight to Kante as as soon as as soon as possible when they were breaking so maybe David Louise needs to be a player that's on the ball a bit more and and has his feel of the game a bit more uh, to be really be effective uh, and, and I think Sarri's got them all involved and they're all passing that's that's evident in the statistics as well uh, but yeah, I've been really impressed with him this season. I think he's probably one of the best defenders in the Premier League so far this season as well. So fair play to him. I think I think we said at the beginning of the year, he's had incredible transfers over the years, high values for a defender. So th- th- there must be a belief in international football that he, he is this player and he has this potential. Um, and I think he's proving it so far this season that he is that top quality player that everyone thinks he is. Yeah, he's, he's just erratic. I think that's the only thing that lets him down. Mm-hmm. It's, Double-edged sword. He's erratic, but he could make like a 40, 50-yard perfect ping ball. Or he could ping it straight into the striker and then just easy one-on-one. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. What do you think the score is going to be, Chelsea United? I think this will be a... I think it will be a close game, but I still think Chelsea will win. Um, I think I'm going to go 2-0, I think, to Chelsea. Yeah, that's a fair shout, to be fair. I, I don't see United scoring. Mm. They just there's not enough attack. I was I was going to go three 0 Chelsea. Oh, well, okay. Which is is depressing, but yeah. <laughs> um, 
Right, another game that is quite an interesting one, West Ham Spurs, which probably at the beginning of the season you wouldn't have earmarked as, as a big game. But with the way West Ham have been playing recently and Spurs' sort of lethargicness, I, I think it could be quite an interesting one. How about you? Yeah, I mean, the, these type of London derbies are always a bit exciting. It's it's always the London derby that doesn't really... Um, there isn't that much build-up, I think. You, you look at Tottenham Arsenal... Um, and uh, Tottenham, Chelsea, Chelsea, Arsenal. Those are the big games. But th- this one, I don't feel that there's as much coverage before the, before the games. Uh, so, but I'm really looking forward to it. I think um, West Ham, they, they seem to turn it around a bit after. I think it was the, the United win was probably the, the turning point of their season. But I still think they need to kick on. I think Felipe Anderson, again, looks like a really good player. And, and I've been impressed after a slow start from him. He, he seems to be coming into the games. Um, and Yarmolenko is also really another really good player. I know we talk about Mark Noble a lot, but uh, he seems to be having a good start to the season as well. And I think he's really going to be pivotal in in how he performs in games to, to get the West Ham ticking over and, and scoring goals is the focus of Marko Arnautovic really. And if he if you can get him onto some of the the slower Tottenham defenders in the centre, whether that's Jan Vertonghen, then he can be a real nuisance and. I, the one thing about, about Tottenham, I'm not really sure who their starting keeper is at the moment. I think Lloris, is he, I think he's still injured, so he probably won't play this weekend. So it's a toss-up between Gazaniga and uh, Vaughan, uh, who both of them I'm not particularly confident in as backup keepers. Um, so I, I think it will be an exciting game, actually. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I still think Tottenham should have enough to win this game. The performances of Lucas Moura recently and Kane looks to be getting back to top form. Um, so I, I would back Tottenham. What about you? Yeah, I think it's, it depends what West Ham side turns up, which sounds really weird because against United, they were so good. They moved the ball quickly. They they moved well, worked as a team, really dug in deep. Even in the 90th minute, they were still... I mean, Robert Snodgrass was running to press someone and I've never seen that in my entire life. <laughs> um, so it really depends what sort of West Ham team turns up because they could give Spurs a real go. I think... I don't know, a key player for for Spurs is going to be, obviously Harry Kane, he seems to be on it as well. But I want to see if Lucas Moura, because over the last few weeks, I think he's he's been great. He's had a really good season, played really well against United, has had a good... I think he's dipped a little bit yeah. without, without people really realising it because Spurs have just been grinding out a few results. But Eric Lamella's come into his own as well. So I think there's a lot of attacking talent for Spurs. On the defensive side, you mentioned the goalkeeper issue. I have no idea what's happening there. I'm not sure if Lloris is injured or still drunk, but it's one <laughs> of the two. Um, I would pick Gazaniga over Vorm every day of the week. He just looks like a better keeper. And um, Jan Vertonghen is out till December now. Yeah. I saw that the other day, which is, I think is a massive blow for Spurs. I mean, Ryan will probably talk about it maybe next week when Spurs inevitably lose or win this game. <laughs> but... Um, I think he's a massive player for that defence, even more so than Alderweireld, because I think last season Alderweireld was injured quite a lot and Jan Vertonghen was the mainstay in that defence. So I think it might affect them quite badly to to have him out, though Davison Sanchez and Alderweireld are more than capable of, of defending well at a Premier League level. So I, you know what? I'm going to be really shit and I'm going to say one all. <laughs> In fairness, my point about Arnautovic getting at Vertonghen is completely undone by the fact he definitely won't be playing. 
<laughs> He'll be really slow though if he is playing. <laughs> just the baton gonna hang around the bench, <laughs> <laughs> just in a little wheelchair. Like, and it's five goals thrown out of it. I think um, as as well that er- Ericsson looks like he may be out for the game as well, um, oh. with an injury that he. I think I think he picked up an international duty, and that's I think that could be a real um, a real factor as well. So they they may be without their um, some of their best players, but on, on a West Ham side. I noted that in the week, this, so this happened before the international games. Uh, did you see that Issa Diop came out and said he's decided that his international career lies with France? Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he, so apparently he could have played, I, I read he could have played for Senegal and Morocco, but he's decided to play for France. <laughs> play is the key word. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so weird. It's like, I just find these, I, it's, it's a similar thing to Declan Rice. And, and maybe we, this is a topic we could discuss a bit more is, is players declaring for countries when they're not even close to getting into the squad? I think, I think that in first of second rights, I think he probably is quite close to getting into the squad. I think if there'd been a couple more injuries to maybe Harry Winks or um, Ross Barkley, he probably would have got into the last England squad. Mm. But, but what do you make about players who, I mean, Jack Grealish famously did it, turning down the Republic of Ireland, then getting relegated with Aston Villa. Um, and he looks obviously quite far away from getting into the England setup anytime soon. What do you make of players sort of sticking their colours to their mask, mask really early on in their careers rather than maybe letting the international call-ups come to them? From speaking from purely personal experience, as a kid... Is this, I is this, dream- is this when you played for Italy? Yeah, exactly. As a kid, I dreamed of playing international football. And I was always torn between the fact that I was born in England and have basically grown up in schools, English culture, Mm. and not wanting to disappoint my entire family playing for Italy. So, like, I would still choose Italy if I was to ever make it, fingers crossed. There's still time. I I think if you're going to do it early doors and you're, you're a talented player that's fine. If you're not, I'm not saying Diop isn't a talented player, but if you're a centre-back and you're looking at the Senegalese and the Moroccan defences and you're thinking, I'm going to try and challenge Rafa Varane for that starting spot in the French squad, Mm. I think you're either very ambitious or just an idiot. (laughs) And hopefully it's the ambition thing, but I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it early doors, but maybe someone needs to say to him, you're going to have to play very, very well to get into that France squad. Just just choose Senegal and at least you'll get a couple of token World Cup appearances. And you'd probably be one of their better players as well. I mean, I don't know yeah. whether there's a there's a level of small fish in a big pond or big fish in a small pond maybe for him, but yeah, I agree with you. I think in his defence... He is 21 years old. Yeah, I've so, just, just Googled that as well. <laughs> yeah, literally just tapping away. Like, I remember him being young. So, yeah, fair play. He's, he is 21. He's got room to grow. I don't know how good he's been this season, to be honest. I don't really watch West Ham much. That's probably one more for Alan. But, yeah, fair play to him. He's, he's ambitious. You never know. Maybe we'll see him at the next Euros. One thing that I was going to say about Spurs-West Ham, and... You already mentioned Mark Noble, and it's not about Mark Noble. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's Mark Noble related. Jack Wilshere, yeah, obviously he's injured. Correct. He's he's going to be out and doesn't look like he's coming back this year. At least he'll probably be out till next year. Do you think that he 
should have gone to West Ham because everyone was lauding it as he can get back in the England squad, he can do this. Do you think he ever was going to do it or do you think he's just become that injury-prone player that will never really do it anymore? He has breadsticks for legs. <laughs> um, so I do feel... I mean, it was he was a free transfer, right? So um, I don't... The problem, the problem with him is where else is he going to go? Because it's, like it's not like he can drop down to like a softer division where they don't t- <laughs> tackle as hard. Um, I don't know. I, you know what? When he played for Bournemouth, and this is two years ago, I, I thought he was very good. Very, very good. And, I, and he got injured with us, uh, I think in February, so he missed the end of our season anyway. Uh, and at, at the time, um, I just remember thinking, oh, if, if, he, if he was a, a durable player, like a noble uh, or someone like along those lines, someone like a, I mean, Bournemouth have a few of them, Dan Gosling, Harry Arter, where they, they don't, mm. they don't really, when they get injured, they may be injured for a couple of weeks, but his injuries just, uh, they're just, I mean, they're almost career, career ending. A lot of his injuries where he loses, uh, he's lost definitely a yard of pace from when he was 19, 20 at Arsenal. I remember the game he played against Barcelona in the Champions League. It was that was sort of his coming out performance. That was a, it. Was a great game and a great performance from him. But he just, I, I don't really. Know. The only thing is maybe he could, he could be dominant in like the US, um, which is a really sad thing to say because he's still twenty seven, twenty eight years old, and I, I still think he has a. He 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 played. A, I think we played Slovenia in, in a qualifier a few years ago. He scored twice and he scored rockets of goals. He's a great passer. On the ball, I don't think I've ever seen anyone play, especially for Bournemouth, anyone better than him in terms of his hold-up play, but sort of spotting the right pass and knowing when to let the ball work for you. He just is a real crying shame, and it's probably lucky that we don't have Ryan on the podcast because I don't think he'd echo um, (laughs) these sentiments anyway. But I don't know where he can go. Uh, He just, every single season, he seems to pick up an injury. Uh, And I just, yeah, I hope he's made enough money already in his career because... I can't see how his career is going to go on a lot longer than maybe three or four more seasons. Yeah, which is it's in sad. a way, yeah, in a way sad. Yeah, because he was a real talent and and still is. He's not he's not super old anymore, but I I think his undoing is people remember that Barcelona game so fondly yeah. and compare it to what he is now, and it's just it's just damning for him, unfortunately. Um, what's your prediction for the game? Uh, I think Spurs will win. I think Kane will have another good game. Um, I think I'll go 2-0 to Spurs, that one. Ooh, solid. Right. The last game that we're going to go into in depth is an interesting one. There are a couple of games that we had a look at that we wanted to talk about, but we both decided to go for Wolves versus Watford. I think it's just a quite a finely poised game with, I think you said it earlier, Watford need a few results because they've been a bit shaky after the inter- the first international break, I should say. Yeah. And Wolves just seem to be just plodding along and just picking up brilliant results. So I think it'll be quite an interesting game. Yeah, I think Wolves, yeah, their ability to pick up points has been really strong, whether it's obviously they, they got a point against City and a point against you know, Man United. They comfortably beat Southampton at home and, and were able to get a 1-0 victory against Palace away. And They've they've played very very well. Uh, again, not my favourite team, but they they seem to still be able to pick up points and get results. Uh, on the flip side, I think Watford had a fantastic start to the season, um, and they like you said, I think just a couple of games before the international break, 
they dropped off a little bit. So they'll be looking to turn their fortunes around. Obviously, they had that the, um, the win against uh, Tottenham and then they got the draw against Fulham, then two consecutive losses. But they're a game that even they're a team that even that um, when Bournemouth played before the international break, they they they're going to be. I reckon they're going to be around between tenth, tenth and seventh this season. So I think they'll. They've got a really good way of playing football, although as physical as it may be sometimes. And they have a very, very good manager and talented manager in Javi Gracia. Um, but yeah, I've been impressed with both of these teams so far. And there was a lot of speculation before the season about Wolves kicking on, maybe challenging for European places. Um, and may, you know, maybe, maybe they can. I think they sit, um, they're currently seventh and they're, they're only one point behind Bournemouth. Uh, I, I would back. I would back them personally to beat Watford at the weekend. Although I, I think it probably will be a closer performance and a better performance than what for uh, Watford than in their last result as well. Yeah, I was going to say before the international break, Watford went four nil down to uh, Bournemouth at home, mm. but then Wolves picked up a really good win against Crystal Palace as well. So, do you think Wolves will be coming in with a sort of? renewed vigour to say, yeah, look, we do belong in this league. We can get results. And Watford would almost be sitting there going, right, we've had the break to freshen up. Let's go out there and make sure that we don't show a sort of performance that makes us go 4-0 down to a side away from home. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Wolves will be, um, Watford, sorry, will be um, quite positive about their chances as well. I think um, they'll probably be thinking we need to bounce back and we need to really kick on. I don't think they had many players in, involved in international duty over the, over the last... Uh, 10 days whereas I know that a few wolves like people like Johnny were playing for Spain um, so so maybe they'll be slightly fresher potentially as well but I, th- I think they'll definitely look out to um, to put in a performance and, and put out a message to the rest of the league that they're still competitive and they're not anyone to be taken lightly and I, I mean e- even as good as Wolves start has been I, I don't think they're impenetrable I think if you get at their defence there's definitely goals and you just have to be able to um, to be able to defend well and, and control who, people like Ruben Neves in the centre of midfield. He's been possibly, I, I mean, actually, you know, I was going to say he's been possibly one of Wolves' best players, but he he always was going to be after his performances in the championship. Yeah. He scored stunning goals all over last season. Do you think his role is changed slightly, though, this season? Obviously, the Premier League is. I'd say a lot less physical than the championship. So he's probably got more time to find pick and passes and like, rather than going for those absolutely spectacular. Do you think he's adapted well to the Premier League so far? Yeah, I think he has. Um, I think he's, he's uh, a hugely talented player and I'd be very, very impressed if, if Wolves keep him for, for longer than, well, even next summer, because I think he's, he's destined to play for a, a top Premier League team or probably a top team in Europe. Um, your point about physicality, I think you're right. I think the Championship is a more physical league in terms of power and strength. But I would say that in terms of quickness and pace, the Premier League is a class above. Uh, and and maybe maybe he's had to adapt. Um, well, yeah, maybe the team has had to adapt. But he's obviously got the advantage of already playing for Porto in the Champions League. He's played in the top division in Portugal as well as playing in the Champions League with Porto. So I think he always looked like he was ready to take make the jump. And it's interesting that some of the players that were lauded last season as being these guys that were going to step up and make big differences in the Premier League, people like Ryan Sessegnon. I think he came out today and said that he, the, the step up has been a bit more difficult than he would have anticipated. 
Um, but Ruben Neves completely looks in, uh, the, the type of player that's going to fit into a lot of top teams. I think for Wolves, there's another player who's really um, important to mention is, is Bolly at the back. Um, I think he was nominated for Player of the Month, um, an award that Hazard won last month. Um, but he's, he has been very good and very solid for Wolves and, and they've looked more sturdy at the back than they did at the beginning of the season. And um, their defence is obviously one that they've kept a few clean sheets in the last couple of games. So um, for them, that's a really important part of their game and to, to make sure they keep picking up points. They do look like a much more difficult side to break down. Not saying that they weren't in the Championship, but I think they were almost too good for the Championship that season. And you saw it with how well they played. Mm. Whereas this year, they've learnt a lot of promoted teams never really learn that steely determination that you kind of need to just dig in and grind out some results. Cardiff have that in too much of a sense. <laughs> w- Wolves have learned that just about the right amount. Um, what do you think the score is going to be for the game? Uh, I think this will be a draw. I think um, I think Watford will. I think Watford will put in a good performance. Um, I will go one-one for this game. Ah, yeah, you took took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to go with one-one. One thing for Watford. Jared Delafeu is slowly making his way back to full fitness. He could be quite an important player for them. I think sometimes they just lack a little bit of creativity in the final third. And he is the sort of player that will feed Troy Deeney, Andre Gray and co. So, yeah, I think 1-1 is probably a fair result. Right. Having a look at the rest of the Premier League games, uh, shout out anything that jumps out at you. Probably the first one will. Bournemouth, Southampton. You must be quite positive for that after a really good win before the international break and against the Southampton side that are looking a little bit jaded already. Yeah, it was. There's a level of it was a bit disappointing to have the international break because of the performance we had against um, against Watford. We, I think we would have liked to probably played another game before having a break, but um, we played really well against Palace and got a result and confident against Watford. Um, I think Southampton. We've we've talked about. Hughes and the, the style of football he plays, I do think there's a chance if, if they go, to go through maybe two or three games without a win in the next month or so, he could be the first manager to get sacked because they've played very poorly and they don't really have any direction. But on the flip side of that, we don't... I think we've only beaten them once since we've come up to the Premier League um, and that was, uh, I think, the first season when Benek Fobe scored. Um, so I, I'm not... I'd be disappointed if we don't get a result um, because I think they are... This is probably one of the worst teams in the league. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think we will scrape it. Uh, but I definitely think I've got a feeling Danny Ings is going to come back and score against mm. us. Um, so I, I'd probably go 2-1 for that game. Yeah, 2-1. Uh, yeah, Southampton look dire. And I was about to say, Danny Ings basically is the only good thing at the moment of that club. Mm-hmm. So hopefully for your sake, he doesn't come back and do anything too damning. Um, the two promoted sides, Fulham versus Cardiff, take each other on. For me, this one has got draw all over it. Probably nil-nil, I'd imagine. <laughs> I don't know. How about you? I think this is a really important game for Fulham. Um, they, they haven't started the season as quickly as I think many people thought they would. And they're, they sit currently just above the relegation zone in 17th with five points. I think this is a game they need to win. Um, and and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they really go for it. Um, I, I, I mean, if you're a Cardiff fan... Have you just accepted relegation at this point? Because they, they are. Um, I just don't know where they're going to pick up points. Um, but no, I, I think Fulham sh- should really be focusing um, on, on getting a, an, a win at Cardiff, not just a point. Mitrovic scored twice in in, in the international break, um, so 
hopefully he can come back and keep scoring goals for them. They would need to focus on the defence, and we talked about this before in a previous podcast. They need to really focus on not conceding as many goals. Uh, but I think I, I actually will go for a Fulham win. I think that'll be a 1-0. Fair. I was going to say that for Fulham, this game actually probably works out quite well because as we mentioned last week, I think it was Ryan mentioned that their defence is still a very championship defence. Yep. They're probably going to enjoy the fact that Cardiff are still going to play like they did last year. Yeah. And with how top-heavy Fulham recruited in the summer, you feel that those players will be able to unpick Cardiff a little bit easier just because of the style of play Cardiff are going to go long ball. And the likes of Tim Ream and co are probably going to be able to deal with that a lot better than the sort of intricate passing football that they've come up against so far this season. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I'll go for a, I'm going to go for a big Fulham win. But, Ooh. yeah, I'm going to go 3-0, despite the fact about... <laughs> A minute and 14 seconds ago, I said nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> um, Manchester City versus Burnley. You would say probably has a Manchester City win written all over it, but Burnley have come back from that sort of dire first three, four games they had this season. How do you see it going? I think this will be a big City win as well. Um, Burnley last season were the king of destroying statistical models. Um, their ability to, to win games whilst almost having an XG of zero um, was was unfounded. I, I think it's beginning to catch up with them. Uh, I think City will prove too much for, for them. Uh, I can see this being a big score, so maybe maybe four 0 to City. Um, I, I, I would imagine Burnley aren't even thinking about getting anything out of this game just because of how they played recently and um, how good City are. So yeah, I think that'd be a comfortable win for City. Be a sad day for Joe Hart all <laughs> round there. <laughs> Newcastle versus Brighton. Brighton got a pretty. Good victory before the international break, beating West Ham. Newcastle just seem to be continuing in this weird slump that they've been in for, what, two or three years now? They obviously bottled it against United at Old Trafford. So it's going to, I think, it'd be an interesting game. Who do you think is going to be up for it? I think Newcastle should. Um, yeah, even though Brighton got the result against West Ham, I think United, uh, Newcastle United will be very disappointed with the result at Old Trafford. I saw uh, in the week that there was a, uh, some gossip in, in, in one of the papers about Ashley considering sacking Benitez to appease the fans. He must have like one of those magic eight balls. And <laughs> it, it, he's going, oh, what do I do? And it shakes it. Sack rapper. Okay, well, I mean, if that's what the fans want. Um, it's, it, anyway, uh, his, his management, I mean, he obviously took him out for a pizza. Uh, before the United games to try and uh, get the squad relations back up, up together. But yeah, I, th- I think Newcastle need to get some points on the board. And I, I personally am a big fan of Rafa, so I do hope they do that. Uh, Brighton, yeah, if they can get anything out of this game, I think that'd be a good result for them. But they've got to be um, happy with their position at the moment. I mean, they are 13th and with eight points. So they're a decent. there's a decent gap between them and the rele- relegation zone so far. I say comeback starts now. Rafa Benitez to push for title. Big new, <laughs> big Newcastle win. Um, I'm going to say Glenn Murray's going to nick it again. Don't know why. 1-0 Brighton, Glenn Murray. Um, the last game on the Saturday, Liverpool versus Huddersfield. How do you think it's going to go? Similar styles, isn't it? Wagner and Klopp. So, um, the, two, the, two, uh, the two Germans, I think they... I think Liverpool will, will prove too much. Their attacking threat is far too dominant um, for, I would agree, another championship defence that he's had as field towns. 
the big word where Huddersfield is um, is goal scoring, and, and I think they're going to struggle to score against a really good back line with Van Dijk and Gomez in the, in, at the back. So uh, I, I'm going to go two nil to Liverpool. Oh, that that was a lot less than I thought you were going to go. A million goals. <laughs> it's going to be another Huddersfield Town just cannot score. I reckon they'll create chances. Liverpool do allow you to create a few chances, but I think it's going to be 4-0. I think that front three are going to be absolutely on it. Um, so I'm going to go big Liverpool win. Right now we move on to the only Sunday game, Everton versus Crystal Palace. I honestly don't know which way that one will go because Everton seem to be picking up some form at the moment and Crystal Palace just quietly do what they do, but obviously lost just before the international break. So that could go either way, to be honest. Oh, they're so reliant on Zaha as well. Mm. Um, so I think he, he, he is so apparent when he doesn't have good games because they don't win. Um, so I, I, I think Everton will probably nick this one. I think Palace looked poor against Brighton. Um, I think Everton will win this 1-0 and, and the, the quality up front for them will prove too much for the, the Crystal Palace defence. You mentioned the Zaha thing. Just quickly... It seems like since he came out and gave that interview where he was like, players need to break my leg before they get sent off, he's actually not done anything. Do you think maybe he should have just kept stumped and just let his football do the talking? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I, I think when we, when we talked about this at the time, I was critical of him coming out because I don't think he needs any more protection than anybody else. Um, mm. When I think Bournemouth were the team that played them just after he made that statement and... Um, we made a clear tactic to put probably one of the most physical depend, defend, defenders on our team to mark him for the entirety of the game. And, and there was no more fouls called than I would have expected normally. Um, so I think that may have backfired against him. He is a tremendous talent. Um, and I know that he's pulled out of international duty um, with a slight worry about his fitness and injury, his potential injury concerns. Um, but yeah, I think... He needs to kick on for them to, to even get points. So I do feel uh, sorry, for, sorry for them. And I feel sorry even more that they've still got Benteke on their team. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with an Everton win as well, to be fair. I think it'll be close. It will probably only be 1-0, but they just Sigurdsson's in good form and I reckon he'll bang in another belter. And that takes us to the final Monday game, which is Arsenal versus Leicester. I've got a bit of a controversial one on this. I think Leicester are going to win. Despite the fact Arsenal are on a six-game unbeaten streak in the Premier League, and is it nine in all comps? I don't know why. I just think Leicester are going to undo them. Um, I disagree with you. I think <laughs> Arsenal will win. I think Arsenal will win this game. Um, there's something different about Leicester, uh, and it may be as simple as saying it, it was Riyad Mahrez. Um, they don't look as threatening going forward. I think James Madison's had a really good start to his his. Um, Premier League career but they just there isn't that um, threat that I remember Mahrez bringing to that team um, they don't look as dominant in set plays especially with players like Wes Morgan although he is obviously notoriously sent off most of the time um, <laughs> And but Harry Maguire hasn't particularly started well uh, this season in the Premier League anyway um, I think I think uh, Arsenal are getting into their groove they're playing very very well uh, and, and I'd be I'd be confident if if Lacazette and Aubameyang can continue their partnership, um, they'll probably beat Leicester on Monday night. I hear your point, <laughs> <laughs> and I say I don't know why. I just think 
that Leicester will do something. It's going to be like a 90th minute counter-attack goal and it will be the worst goal in the world. But I think Leicester are going to nick it for some reason. Though your points are way more valid than I'm going on <laughs> on pure gut feeling. Um, right, so that wraps up the Premier League preview for this weekend. Any talking points that you wanted to mention that we haven't covered? Um, we addressed it briefly last week, but um, John Terry has obviously now is an assistant manager and not the manager at Aston Villa. I, mm. think, I think we're all really pleased for him. Yeah, just the WhatsApp group was elated. <laughs> there were. There were many emojis. <laughs> um, in, in a way, if you look at that, is that bad on Brentford? Because they've lost a very good manager who built something really impressive, to be honest. A really young, vibrant attacking side there. But he was an Aston Villa fan through and through. So I guess one man's loss is another man's gain. Yeah, I mean, they, they played very, very um, good football, Brentford and, and... As, as good as they were playing on, I mean, I'm excited to go watch them play at the end, end of this month. Um, but I think he, he's, yeah, he's, he's a manager in demand and Aston Villa are a bigger club with Premier League aspirations. So uh, I don't, you can't be too critical of the man. Um, but yeah, I think mm. it's probably unfortunate for Brentford fans because um, they were playing some really good attacking football with some very talented young players. Yeah, Um one thing that I was going to say, we've briefly covered it already in this podcast, was the Jose Mourinho being charged for the swearing. The one thing that I wanted to say is, how frustrating is it for, if you look at organisations like Kick It Out and Show Races and the Red Card, that the FA are so quick to crack down on things like swearing and dissent, but they seem to take an absolute age to deal with something as big as racism yeah I mean it's, it's got to be really an, an frustrating because it, it's so apparent um, not just on the pitch I think it, it, there's a big a big issue with um, fans I think mm. a, a lot of chants that people would um, describe as um, humorous or, or in good natured fun uh, have deeply uh, deeply rooted uh, racial undertones um, I think there is obviously I, I, Ryan's not here, so he can't always answer. But there is a level of anti-Semitism that I think goes on mm. uh, with connection to Tottenham, and that's not particularly just um, to do with with uh, former owners, but it's yeah, calling themselves things like the Yids. It, it's they they're using it as an affectionate term, but it, um, it is something that that needs to be stopped because because of what it means to. Uh, the wider Jewish community. Mm. Um, I know that Chelsea this uh, this week put out a message that um, they were going to start sending uh, serial racial abusers with specifically towards anti-Semitism. They were going to organise trips to Auschwitz to educate those fans to better understand the implication of the words they're using, which I think is quite a drastic method. But, yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I guess they're trying to set an example, but. Yeah, I, I think there's a re, there's a really significant, and you know what? As well, I think being a fan of a football team that has been in uh, lower leagues for a lot of its history it is very prevalent at the lower lower mm. end, lower end of the leagues, and maybe because of the the money in the top flight division, there isn't room for it, and it's it's stamped out a lot quicker. But um, I've I've been to many games where stuff's been shouted from the stands where. I mean, you're looking towards the stewards and a lot of them are 60-year-old blokes who are just there to watch the football themselves. So they're not going to do anything. 
Um, so it's, it's an epidemic, really, that still is in this game. And um, it must be very frustrating to see things like swear words being picked up rather than the deeper uh, racial division that's in football at the moment. Yeah, and not even picked up. Hired a lip reader yeah, to know, pick up. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tom, as always, thank you very much for joining us. Cheers, mate. Thanks for that. Um, that is all for the Premier League preview episode. Remember, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor.fm. If you've got any questions for next week, where we'll be doing a review of all the games that we've previewed, make sure you drop us a tweet, gametime underscore pod on Twitter. But until next week, goodbye. Bye.